Isn't it amazing how the Lord works? Pastor Lee called me Thursday morning. I said, Brad, will you, I'm going out of town. Will you share with me? I said, sure, for a Sunday night. And I said, sure, I'll be glad to. Brother Allen calls me Friday morning. Says, Brad, what are you preaching about? I said, Allen, your guess is good as mine. I have absolutely no idea. He wanted to put it in the bulletin. I said, I'll give you one piece of information. It's coming out of Acts chapter 14. Now, you can do with it what you want. And um, I, he said, well, I'll make up your title for you. Says, sound good to me. Brother Allen says, continuing in the faith. Brother Brad Smith will take us back in time to a glimpse into the life of the Apostle Paul as he had traveled about sharing the good news and encouraging believers to continue in the faith as he did, despite tribulations. Come out tonight and find out from this scripture. Alan, you hit the nail on the head. I didn't know that's what I was going to speak about until I read it this morning. But uh, to be honest with you, that's what I had planned after I spoke with him Friday afternoon. And then tonight, you hear the songs we sang? Praise the Lord. Bless the Lord. We gave testimonies. We're going to do this later tonight. How good God is. Why we have a reason to praise God. And um, in our Sunday school class this, this morning, uh, Brother Brian Marie, sorry, is that, am I corrected, Greg? Sir Marie, I was informed of last night. He got what, Greg? QC, whatever that is. Queen's crown something. I don't know. I'm an American. Queen something. Crane's Council. Sounds good to me. And um, but Sir Marie shared with us how, out of Habakkuk, how Habakkuk was complaining and grumbling. Why does this happen to good people? But then he began at the end of the, uh, the book to praise God. And uh, I said, you stole my message for tonight. I should have just hit a recorder. The only difference is I'm going to take it out of the New Testament tonight. So this is how God works. And this is how great God is. I didn't know this. Alan didn't know this, musicians didn't know this, but that's what we're going to share with tonight. So if you have your Bibles, I would encourage you to turn with me to Acts chapter 14, just as your bulletin says, and um, we'll be begin reading uh, from the scripture uh, tonight, from the book of Acts, Acts chapter 14. I'm reading out of the old-fashioned King James Version, if that's all right. Acts chapter 14, we'll begin reading in verse number 19 and continue through the end. And there came thither certain Jews from Antioch and Iconium who persuaded the people, and having stoned Paul, drew him out of the city, supposing he had been dead. Howbeit as the disciples stood round about him, he rose up and came into the city, and the next day he departed with Barnabas to Derbe. And when they had preached the gospel to that city and taught many, they returned again to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch, confirming the souls of the disciples and exhorting them to continue in the faith and that we must through much tribulation, same words Alan used in the bulletin, tribulation, enter into the kingdom of God. And when they had ordained them elders in every church, and had prayed with fasting, they commended them to the Lord, and whom they believed. And after they had passed through Pisidia, they came to Pamphylia. And when they had preached the word in Perga, they went down into Atelia, and then sailed to Antioch, from whence they had been recommended to the grace of God for the work which they fulfilled. And they, when they were come and had gathered the church together, they rehearsed all, they praised God, they rehearsed, they told of what good things God had done and all that God had done and with them how he had opened the door of faith unto the Gentiles and there they abode long time with the disciples. By your heads. Father, we pause for just a moment to say thank you for being with us tonight, for meeting in our service tonight. We thank you for this written, infallible, authoritative word of God as we heard this morning, this God, this, this, this word of God that we can believe in, that we can have faith in, that we can trust in. And Father, we're just so grateful that you are with us tonight. And for the next few moments, Lord, just open our ears, prepare our hearts, Lord, to receive the word that you have 
opened up for us tonight, and we'll give you all glory and honor and praise. And everyone says, amen and amen. Look again at verse number 22, the latter part. We must, through much tribulation, enter into the kingdom of God. What kind of version you got, Terrence? What does it say at the end? Stand up and read it loud. The latter part of verse number 22. Through many tribulations, thank you, through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. Is this what we signed up for? Is this what you signed up Tonight you got to think. I'm going to put on your thinking caps. I know you want me to do the thinking. That's what I was asked to do, do the thing. I want you to think about tonight. I want to ask some questions of you tonight. Is this what we signed up for? Endure much tribulation to enter the kingdom of God? You see, in, in this world, there's, there's sorrow all around us. No doubt about it. For the, for the child of God, for the atheist, whatever, there's sorrow in the, word, in the world today. A common tribulation that is known throughout all mankind. There's no way around it. There's tribulations, there's trials, there's sorrows, there's heartaches. There's no way around it. You begin as a little child, children cry, children have frustrations. It gets worse when they become teenagers, you know. Things don't happen, just like the young girl this morning. She had boyfriend problems. She had all the problems this morning. Great skit. I enjoyed it thoroughly. You know, young people have problems. Then we get into adulthood. We buy a home. We have kids of our own. They grow up. So we have to deal with these things. We have to deal with fallen economic times as we are living in nowadays. Then you get like Lindsay and you hit old age. Okay? And then you got other problems to worry about. Lindsay's got problems, arm problems, every problem. Just ask him. He's got all the problems in the world. And then after old age, what's left? Death. All right? So we have trials and tribulations. Everyone has this. This is a common tribulation that is known to all mankind. I hope this thing don't fall through with squeaking. There is also a sorrow and a tribulation that is known to the world, to the unrighteous, to, to those who have every hope and every dream centered in his life. You remember the Sermon on the Mount? At the end of the latter part of the Sermon on the Mount, he talks about the man who built his house on the rock. The wise man built his house upon the rock. You remember? And then the foolish man built it where? On the sand. My question is, why did they build their house in a riverbed? Where the floods were going to come, where the trials were going to come, why didn't they build their home someplace else? When in those days, that's where you built your house. There was no other way around it. It was the same way in life. Why don't we build our, 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 our hearts and our, and our homes in riverbeds of life? There's no way around it. The floods are going to come. The storms are going to come. The winds are going to blow. No matter. You cannot get around it. Do you understand what I'm saying tonight? There's absolutely no way around it. But we also have the tribulations and the, and the, of the world, the ones that are unrighteousness. Give, for example, that young Hollywood young lady who's going to go and be a star. She's, she's prepared herself for this. She's got the beauty. She's a sex symbol. She's got all of these things to go and, and to conquer Hollywood, to be the next, the next famous star in Hollywood. But then what happens? The old age hits. The beauty droops, you know. Plastic surgeons are making millions and millions in Hollywood. Why? Because these glamour beauty gals, it's not that way anymore. So they do all the plastic surgery to, to, to lift it and to tuck it and to do everything they can to their bodies. This is the trials that the world goes through, the unrighteous world. But there's also the tribulation that is unique to the child of God. Just the opposite of one, what one might think. We can easily understand how God links unrighteousness and iniquity with judgment and tribulation. But how is it that the child of God also falls into the same category of trouble, trial, and sorrow? Why is it? This is not what we wanted when we, we became Christians to get out of all of this. We became Christians so we wouldn't have trials and tribulations and sorrows. But when you read all throughout Scripture... It tells you over and over again. For instance, 1 Thessalonians, if you're taking notes. Chapter 3, Paul is speaking to the church at Thessalonica. 
And he says in verse number two, and sent Timothus, our brother and minister of God, and our fellow labor in the gospel of Christ to establish you and to confront, uh, comfort you concerning your faith, that no man should be moved by these afflictions, for yourselves know that we are appointed thereunto. For verily when we were with you, we told you before that we, we should suffer tribulation even as it came to pass, and ye know it. Wait a minute. These are God's people. This was a church at Thessalonica. What are, what are we talking about? Why are we telling God's people this? The Christians in the church at Thessalonica. These are we are speaking to in this portion of Scripture. Paul also tells the church at Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 3. Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ shall suffer what? What? Persecution. What's up with that? Why do we suffer persecution if we become a child of God? Why? One would think that we are Christians. We have found refuge in Christ. Would have no trouble, no sorrow, no fears, and no suffering. We are Christians now. We have given our lives to God. Therefore, we are delivered from all these trials and tribulations. Amen, amen, and amen. Sounds good, doesn't it? But it's not the way it happens. It's not the way it happens. Your young people, they suffer persecution for standing up and being a Christian. W.A. Criswell tells in one of his books, as he was sitting in the home of a deacon, his daughter, 16 years old, got dressed, prepared herself, went out with some friends, had a, was going to have a wonderful time out. A few hours later, he was still in the home, and she came back crying, weeping, ran into her room. In a little while, the mother went to console her daughter, to comfort her. And a while, the mother came out and says the daughter would not get involved in, in, in the evil things of the world. She would not do the bad things that these young people wanted to do. So they kicked her out of the car and made her walk home. Persecuted. Why? Because she wanted to live a godly life. Honest businessmen in this country are, are, are wondering why they, they pay their customs. They don't, they don't alter their invoices. They pay the proper duty and all these things. They do all the right things, but yet here's that other businessman who does all of the wrong things, alters his invoices. I've had him tell me in the United States, do you want me to change the prices on your invoice? I said, absolutely not. They, they give you that opportunity. Why? Because people have done it here. They know the system. They know how it works. You alter the invoices, you pay less duty, then that way you can sell it for a lesser price. And here the honest man is saying, why is all of this happening? Why are they being as successful in their business? And here I am trying to do it the honest way. Am I right, Lindsay? Lindsay deals with this every day. Why? Why do we go through these? We try to be doing things the right thing, but yet we suffer trials and tribulations. How does the whirling, the sinner, the one who rejects Christ, face trouble, trial, trouble, and inevitable tribulation? He does it in only despair. You think he's doing all, you think he's living the life, you think he's getting away with it, folks, he's in despair. He's in agony. He's in defeat. I read of a, of a man named Tolstoy. I think that's right, correct pronunciation. A Russian novelist and philosopher. And in his book or in his writing, my confession and my religion summarize four attitudes men take towards life's problems. And he classified all men into the following four categories. Number one. There are those who view life as bad and get drunk to forget it. Life is bad, so to deal with it, I'll just get drunk and I'll go forget it. The second way was there are those who view life as bad and struggle against it. Life is going to be bad, so I'll fight it and I'll struggle and I'll do the best I can. And there are those who view life as all bad and by suicide remove themselves from life. I can't deal with it, so I'll just lie suicide to take me away. And there are those who view life as all bad, but we live on irrationally accepting it as it comes. Whatever happens, happens. And this was Tolstoy's idea of how you deal with life. You get drunk, forget about it. You commit suicide in your life. You struggle against it or else you just say, whatever happens, happens and I'll just go and then I'll die and then it's all over. Think about it. People are really dealing with life right now, right now, 
in these same ways. They're getting drunk. Forget about it. Committing suicide. Don't have to deal with it anymore. I fight and I fight and I fight and I struggle and I struggle. And we'll see what happens. Or else, whatever happens, let her go. You let her go, right, Kenny? You just let her go. Whatever happens, happens. But Tolstoy did not know about Jesus Christ. According to the Word of God, there's also a fifth alternative that Tolstoy did not name. And it could be there as a divine reason and a divine purpose in life. There could be a, in life a God who had an infinite reason, an infinite plan, and an infinite sorrow grace for us who have found refuge in him. You can go through life getting drunk, committing suicide, fighting the system, or else you can give your heart to Jesus. The glory of God oftentimes, folks, is found. The glory, this don't sound right, does it? The glory of God is oftentimes found in the fire, in the flame, and in the trial of his people singing songs in the night and praising him in the midst of, of indescribable sorrow and heartache. There is a reason for the trials that we know in life. Maybe God is teaching us. Maybe God is maturing us and preparing us for a glory that is yet to come. But do we think about that when we face trials and tribulations? My friends here from the Philippines were just sharing with us before. The typhoon that just hit the Philippines, what, about three or four weeks ago? You saw it on the news. Wiped their home out in the Philippines. How would you imagine that? You're halfway around the world and your home gets wiped out. You have nowhere to go when you go back to the Philippines to go home. Folks, that's trials. That's tribulation. That's sorrow. Is this what we signed up for? How do we deal with it? Get drunk? Commit suicide? Or say, Lord, I could turn it over to you. I commit it to you. Am I going to do as the bulletin says? I'm going to continue in the faith? Or am I going to say, I give up? Whatever happens, happens. Romans, Paul writes in Romans chapter 5, and not only so, but glory, read it, glory in tribulation, also knowing that tribulation worketh patience. <laughs> Boy, sweetie, do I have a problem with patience? Very much. Trouble, trials, and tribulations worketh patience, but patience worketh experience. When we are patient, we have gained experience. When we gain experience, the word says we gain what? Hope. We have, whenever we can conquer these things, whenever we face, whenever we conquer patience, whenever we gain experience, we have a hope. We have a reason. We have something to look forward to as a child of God. Think about it tonight. And hope maketh not ashamed because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given unto us. You thinking about it? Troubles and tribulation, what do they do? They lift a man's soul towards God. Just as we did tonight. We are standing on holy ground. The murder rate in this country is outrageous, but what? Oh, let us praise Jesus now for why we are standing on holy ground. As a child of God, we have this benefit in our lives today. Life undoubtedly has its disenchantments, disappointments, and disillusionments, and certainly some detainments. But a life that is rightly related to God can be a life that can never no defeat. Title tonight is Continuing the Faith. Subtitle, Are You Detained or Are You Defeated? Are you detained tonight? Do you give up? Do you commit suicide? Do you say enough is enough? Or are you detained? Are you going to allow your life to be defeated? Are you going to allow this economic uh, uh, backlash that we are experiencing now defeat you and defeat you in your faith and in your walk with Christ? This is what the Word of God says to us tonight. My wife's nephew, Dustin, Mr. Sands' grandson, if you know his story, at three years of age, he had cancer in his body. Had his kidney removed or lung removed, suffered treatments, I guess, what, two or three years. He went through treatments as a three-year-old. 
been cancer-free for years, and now he's 26, 27, just got engaged, going to get married, and cancer comes up in his body again. What do I do? I've been playing the drums in church. I've been living for Jesus. I've been dedicated to Jesus. I conquered this cancer one time, and here cancer comes in my body again. What do I do? There's no hope in that. There's no encouragement in that. Families go through problems. The present economy, we went through this in 2001. You had a hurricane that came and just destroyed this country. Michelle, I think it was, in 2001. A few weeks later, 9-11 comes into the U.S. and destroys the tourism industry. You had a straw market fire. It just was an economic nightmare for this country. And all in about a six-week span of time, this country was blow after blow after blow. But yet we overcame. We had prosperity for a few years later. But what's happened again? Economies, tourism, hotels are barely occupied. And this is what this country is built on. Sorrow, despair, heartache. How do we deal with it? Listen, whether in life you are simply detained or whether you are genuinely defeated does not depend upon the circumstances of your life. But guess what it depends on? You and you and you. Am I going to be detained in my life or I'm just going to say, I'm defeated. I give up. And as we read in our scripture tonight, who more in scripture outside of Jesus Christ suffered defeat or it seemed like or suffered detainment, suffered sorrow, trials, and tribulation? Who more? The apostle Paul. The Paul was a prime example of this. I read of a story of a writer who had, after three years, had completed a manuscript. Are you getting what I'm saying tonight? Or is everybody asleep? Are you getting what I'm saying? We face these things over and over but how do we deal with it? There was a writer that for three years, he worked on a manuscript. And he gave it to his friend. I guess they didn't have uh, uh, memory sticks back then. But he gave it to his friend, and his friend was reading it. His friend left it on his desk, on the counter right there. And his house burned. Burned up the one transcript that he had. This man's first thing was three years of work going down the drain. Defeated. Can't get that back. But he sat down, he wrote the first sentence, he rewrote the first paragraph, he rewrote the first chapter, and before time had expired, he had rewrote, rewrote that book. And his friend read it again, read it the second time, and says the first one was good, but this one was real good. Why? Because he did not allow the feet of his writing. There's a story of a man, there's your Jeopardy question, story of a man in, in 1879 was born to a, a Jewish merchant. And here this man, through anti-Semitic ways, was, became an introvert. He was shy. He, did, he had a hard time learning in school. He could not, he could not conquer things. He, his life was full of failure after failure after failure. He took an entrance exam into the University of Zurich in Switzerland. Failed it. Couldn't even get into university. A year later, he took it again was able to get into the university. Several years later, he received a doctorate. But even though he had a doctorate, he could only get a little office job in a, in a customs place, in a, in a patent office. That's all he could get with a doctorate's degree. But this man continued to go and go and go. Became one of the sharpest minds, one of the geniuses of this world has ever known. He was responsible for the formulation of the theory of relativity. Any guesses? Albert Einstein, one of the greatest minds ever known. New defeat, defeat, you're going to fail, you're going to be nothing. But yet he was only detained, and he pressed forth. And he came one of the sharpest minds that ever has been known. What does detain mean? Marion Repster says to hold or keep in as if in custody, custody, to keep back to restrain, especially from proceeding. You're detained. You cannot go forth. You cannot proceed on. There's no hope for you. This is the end of the line. You might as well suffer defeat. But I got two questions for you tonight concerning your salvation or your commitment to the word of God, commitment to the gospel, not your salvation. 
Is your dedication, question number one, is your dedication more powerful than your pain? Is your dedication more powerful than your pain? Three sub-questions. Three sub Will my life be full of detainments or defeat? Is my dedication more powerful than my pain? Do I ever think about what God has meant for my life? These are big questions to answer. These are big questions. But let's look at our scripture tonight, the, the story that we read tonight. Paul, he began to preach in Lystra. And I imagine it was the same message that he preached in Antioch, Pisidia. And Paul preached uh, probably preached saying the, the same message that he preached in Jerusalem, the same message that he preached to the Jews. He preached the same message of, of justification, of sanctification, of commitment to Christ. Paul, I'm sure, preached the same message, the old-time gospel that we used to hear. Paul preached this and preached it, but he was not surprised, as the Scripture says, when the stoning began. I don't think Paul really expected it, but I don't think he was all that surprised when the stoning began, Paul might have have asked himself, now, Lord, wouldn't I be better off to 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 just get out of this city and, and, and get out of here alive? Wouldn't I be a better use to you? Wouldn't I be more valuable if I just run from from Lystra and just just get out of here? But I believe Paul can continue to preach and he can continue to preach and he can continue to, to uh, share the gospel the, of Jesus Christ. And he preached harder and harder. And then the stones began to come. The throwing of the stones. I don't know who all was involved. I imagine it started out with a few men. And then a few ladies picked them up and threw some stones. And then the kids thought, boy, this is fun, you know. Let's throw a few stones at this man. And they continued to throw stones. And, and I don't know, but for some reason, I think that Paul did not stop. He did not stutter one voice. He continued to preach and preach and preach until they finally stoned him so bad that he fell to the ground. And they grabbed him. And drug him to the edge of the city. There he was. Left for dead. The voice of Apostle Paul. Defeated. Destroyed. Ended. No more. We have to hear from Apostle Paul. And there the disciples gather around him. Read the scripture. The disciples gather around him. And the conversation might have gone. Well what are we going to do now gentlemen? Our apostle's gone. He's dead. He's done away with. What do we do with him now? Somebody might have began to grab some boards, some sticks, some limbs, make something to carry him on, to give him a little dignity to, to carry him out of the city, to continue on. But what does the scripture say? Supposing. You remember Lazarus? Remember the scripture Lazarus that Lazarus said plainly, the word used plainly, Lazarus was dead. No doubt about it. What does this say? Supposing. I don't know if Paul might have said, you know, if I lay here and fake dead, they may just run from me, think I'm gone. I don't know if Paul, the scripture doesn't say, theologians don't say, commentaries don't say. I don't know if he was actually dead, but they supposed that he was dead. He looked dead. He was probably beaten beyond that, that he had all indications that, that Paul was, that Paul was dead. But what does it say he did all of a sudden? He sat up. Paul got up and then he went to preach and, and he continued on and, and, and he continued on to, to preach and to go on to different cities. Go back to the question that I asked you from, from the beginning. Let's go back. Is your dedication more powerful than your pain? I thank the Lord tonight. We don't have to worry about being beaten. We don't have to worry about hopefully being beaten because we preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, where I'm from, Bahamians are very fortunate. And I hope it continues this way. But I, where I'm from, if I go into a school and preach the gospel, what's going to happen? Be thrown in jail. Can't do it anymore. Remember Judge Moore in Alabama? All he wanted to do was put the Ten Commandments in the, in the, in the court hall, in the forum of the court hall in Montgomery, Alabama. Went to jail for this. Persecution. Why? Because he stood up for Jesus Christ. But see, Bahamians, we can still, Dr. Mark said last week, it's amazing that him, American, he can come down here and school teachers will come and hear a, 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 a born-again Christian teach and preach and, and they, have, they can go on government time and government money, whatever, to hear a Christian preach. You can't do that in where I'm from. I'm not that old, but I remember in school, 
where we can still pray. We can uh, um, uh, do the Pledge of Allegiance. We can't even do that anymore because it says what? One nation under God. Can't do that anymore. Football games. We used to pray. for Friday night football was a highlight. We used to pray over the players. We had a time of, of quiet and everyone in that stadium, 15,000 people would be quiet as we prayed for the safety of the ball players. Can't do it anymore. But see, we're persecuted. That's the persecution that we talk about. Is our dedication more powerful than our pain? What if teachers and preachers, what would you do if next Sunday someone says, if you taught your Sunday school lesson, you'd be stoned? Well, it might be an easy answer. I would do it. Why? Because we know that's not going to happen. But it's happening all around the world. All around the world, if you go and you tell of Jesus Christ, if you preach in these underground churches of Jesus Christ and they find out about it, they're liable to shoot you, kill you, whatever. Years ago, we had the Blackwood Brothers, the famous quartet, came to our church. But they brought the Russians with them. This is back during the communist reign of, of Russia, during Gorbachev, I believe. And these Russians told of how just a few weeks ago, they heard of a girl in Russia. They, they came into the, 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 the feds, came into the underground church, grabbed them all out, threw a Bible on the ground and says, Walk by, every one of you. Spit on the Bible as you walk by. Most people came by, spit, spit, spit on the Bible. One little girl came by, wiped the Bible clean, kissed the Bible, shot her right there in the head. Persecution. Folks, it's happening all around the world, in communist countries or wherever, Muslim countries. You cannot talk about Jesus Christ. This is persecution, but are we willing to say our dedication is more powerful than our pain. My mother's become this technology guru now. She's learned the, uh, the uh, computer a little bit. And now she can burn old uh, records onto CDs. I mean, it's just like she's hit cloud nine, you know. And she's been sending me these things. And if you know my mother, she's got everything. She is a pack rat. She throws nothing away. And she's got these old tapes of, of Nikki Cruz and I mean, if you know the name Nikki Cruz, the cross and the switchblade. And David Wilkerson, my granddaddy was good friends with David Wilkerson and all the Wilkerson family. And David Wilkerson, he had him to his church many a times. And David Wilkerson was that man who went into Harlem and to the Bronx. And there he went without, the police says, don't go. We're not responsible for you. You go into those gang neighborhoods. You're on your own, buddy. Don't call us whenever you got trouble. You're going on your own. And David Wilkerson went as a young man into those, into those slum areas, into those gang areas of, of New York, of Harlem, of, of Bronx, and, and, and went in there and saw Nicky Cruz. Pointed his finger at Nicky Cruz, and Nicky Cruz spat on him and told him he was going somewhere. And David Wilkerson says, Nicky, the Lord's going to get you. Was his pain, dedication more powerful than his pain? Those men right there could have beat him and killed him right there on the spot. Nobody would have never known anything. But David Wilkerson's dedication to those gangs and to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And now he has a wonderful church, Times Square Church. And in, in, um, I think it's Harlem, of, of, of the suburbs of New York. A, a thriving church because his dedication was more powerful than his pain. Is that our call here tonight? Let us never think that if... An inconvenience to us to do something for God. For we have the right to give up. But the gospel does not. If being inconvenienced for the sake of Jesus Christ causes you to quit working for Christ, then I doubt very seriously the Apostle Paul would agree that you know the, crowd, the one called Jesus Christ. I think that's what Paul would say if he were here with us tonight. If you're not willing to be dedicated and suffer the pain, are you really know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior? Now, what would most of us have done if we'd have been the Apostle Paul? If we'd have been stoned, dragged to the city, but miraculously, whatever, if we were dead or resurrected or, or, or whatever happened, we sat up. Now we were alive. And, and, and would we go back into Lystra? How many of you would have gone back into Lystra? They just beat you. They just stoned you. But Paul, 
Paul uh, decided uh, that, that he would go back into the, into the city because there was something vital in his life that he could do. We would never have defeated churches and pastors and church workers if we had more people like Paul who says, I won't give up, I'll go back in there. But many churches are defeated. Pastors are defeated because they get beaten down, but they're not willing to pick up and go back in what God has called them to do. To be honest with you, I preached part of this message about five years ago, a church back in Georgia called me and said, will you come share with us? We've had church problems. They were down to about 20 people in that church. And I sat there on a Sunday morning, and I think that particular Sunday morning they had about 55. They put my picture in the paper and said well, he was going to be here. Most of the people weren't even a member or part of the church. But they had 20 members in that church. And I preached a lot of this message that I'm sharing with you tonight. And I told him, you can be a church that is defeated you can lock the doors up when you leave tonight, this morning, and you can just split the money. They had beautiful uh, prime property there. They didn't know anybody, anything. It was just, uh, it was all theirs. There was 20 people, and then they could just take the money, share it up amongst 20 people, and go on about their business, and go join other churches. Or else you can say, I'm not defeated, but we're going to turn this thing around. About three months later, I had to go up to a furniture show in Mississippi. I flew up to Memphis. And I took three hours to go the other way to Jackson, Arkansas. I went to see a preacher, and I said, Brother, I want you to go to a church in Thomasville, Georgia. He looked at me, wasn't sure what I was saying, and I said, I want you to think about it. And in about six weeks, he was with a pastor of that church in Thomasville. There was a lady here just a few weeks ago. I had dinner with her one night, and I said, How's the church doing? She said, Last Sunday we had over 230. They could have been defeated. They could have shut the doors, sold the property, gone out about their business, prime real estate. But they said, we will not be defeated. And now, by the glory of God, they have an over 200, probably 250 people now on a Sunday morning service. Why? But because they said, we will not suffer defeat. We need more churches like that. We need more pastors like that. We need more Sunday school teachers like that. We need more workers in the church each and every day that says, I will go forth. I will not be defeated. I will let my light shine for Jesus Christ. But here Paul had a reason to live. Paul said, for me to live is Christ and for me to die is what? Gain. If I live, I'm living with Christ Jesus. But if I die, praise God, I gain heaven's doors. I have some reason to live. I have something to live about. Notice what Paul did not did as he returned to the city. He put his emphasis on his life, on the difficult things. Difficult to go back into Lystra. That would have been a difficult thing, but Paul says the difficult things is what I'm going to conquer. I don't know if he went back stomping onward Christian soldiers, but he went back. He said, I'm going back to Lystra, and I'm going to let my light shine. Courage is never easy. When the stones have been thrown, faith is never frivolous, but Paul still got up and he went back into that city. You see, the most difficult time Paul ever had was in Lystra. He said some 20 years later, he said, once, once I was stoned. He remembered it, but it was the one and only time that he was ever stoned. And he went back into the city and he conquered the city. Think about putting the emphasis of your life on the difficult the easiest thing for Paul to do was get up and to run. Some of us, tithing is hard. We just say we can't give and we can't tithe. Put your emphasis on the difficult things. I can't, I can't do this in the church. Put your emphasis on those difficult things and see what God can do. Let me continue on. Christians must start emphasizing the things that are hardest for them to do. That's what Paul was willing to do because he thought more of his dedication to God that he did of enduring a little bit of pain. The second and final question I want to ask you tonight. Number one was, is your dedication more powerful than your pain? Number two, is my life governed by the fact that God has blessed me? Bless me? My home was destroyed by a typhoon. Bless me? My nephew, my wife's nephew suffers cancer again. Just this past week, his blood level was down to 1.3, he couldn't even take a treatment. Bless, blessings? What have we been blessed about? What do we have to bless God about? One cannot be defeated 
If he knows that God loves him and blesses him and cares for him and directs him and guides him, we are a blessed people. Can you say amen? We are blessed people. Anthon's got a baby. The baby and the mother is doing wonderful. We have a lot of blessings this morning. In Sunday school class this morning, it utterly amazed me. We began to, uh, to d- different ones share. My wife shared about Dustin, how his blood count had come up. I had the class pray for my aunt last week, who, was, who I was very close with, lived with for a couple of years. And she was at death's door. And, and I asked the class, please pray for Aunt Jerry. Please help me in praying for her. And this week, she's had made drastic improvements. Her kidneys had shut down, but yet her kidneys began to work again. And all of the things that she was defeated of, because she began to... To, to come back and we had something to bless God about. Steve was in the class. Steve Robertson, he said, last week was a terrible week. But I listened to some of the things Dr. Mark said. I went back to work. I was just frustrated with work. But yet I have something to bless God about this morning, he said. Things have changed there. Where folks, we have things. After things, after things that we can praise God about and say that we are a blessed generation. Think about it. When Jesus made the heavens and the earth and the animals, and what did he say they were? All of these things he said were good. But when he made man, what did he say about man? Man is very good. That's my pride and joy. That's what I like. I like the men and the women that I placed on the earth. That's what I'm proud of. I'm proud of, of the birds and the, and the fowl and all of the things that have been created. But most importantly, I'm glad. I'm very glad about man. You see, Jesus was sent for you and I. Praise God. Haven't you thought about the cross lately? Have you knew, you know, during all of these problems that we hear in the world, open the newspaper and, and, and all of the problems that you hear, the murder rate that is just ever increasing, the economics that is there. Have you thought about the cross as you open that, that newspaper and hear all of the heartache and all of the sorrow? Think about the cross. Read verse number 27 again. And when they were come and had gathered the church together, they rehearsed. All that God had done. They had shared what God had blessed them. How God had, had come into their lives and, and ministered to them. These was what the people were, were praising God about. You see, when you're talking about the, about the grace of God, the stones don't matter. The beating of the stones doesn't, doesn't matter. Our blessings are so numerous that we shouldn't be able to focus on the things around us. Be honest with you tonight, I thought about just having a good old-fashioned testimony service. You remember those? You remember those? You got a testimony? Stand up, testimony. You got, stand up, stand up. People standing up, testify. We used to do that years ago. Remember one Sunday night, we going to, let's have two or three testimonies. Before we knew it, two hours later, the preacher didn't preach. Why? Because people were testifying how good, marvelous, gracious God is. One after another, after another, was praising God, saying, God is good. Testified to the marvelous grace of Jesus Christ. Many of us, though, are, are fussing about the things that we don't have. This week I was, my wife and I were up east when, with, with, with her dad, and, and uh, I got a call. One of the, the gardeners said, Mr. Smith says, are you out in your boat? I said, no, sir, I'm not. He says, well, it ain't here, and your truck's not here. Normally, if he saw my truck, he knew I was out in my boat. I said, no, sir, I, I'm, I'm not out in my boat. He said, well, it's not here. And I said, well, I said, I think the mechanics got it because I told him to do something. Called him, Simon, you got my boat? No, sir, no boat. So I went over there, boat gone. My, my, my. My pride and joy. I even named it my doll baby. I mean, my pride and joy, my boat is gone, stolen, out of here. Boy, what I got things to fuss about. Then I called my same cousin whose mother's in the hospital, telling David, they stole my boat. Man, I can't believe they stole my boat. How's your mama doing? Well, she's not doing good. You know what? Then that boat didn't mean one hill of beans bit of different. Didn't mean nothing to me. About three hours later, they called me. We got your boat. Ain't got no engines, but we got your boat. (laughs) But I was upset. But folks, that wasn't something to be upset about. Think of all the blessings that we do have. I told my cousin, you know, here I am worried about a boat. 
I got a beautiful home, got a loving wife, got wonderful kids. What more? Got Jesus Christ in my heart, living for Jesus. My children are living for Jesus. What more should I want in my life? I'm blessed. A boat is just a thing, even though I really love that boat. When I think of Paul lying there, and I'm closing, Dawn, if you can come help me. When I think of Paul lying there in the street with his life almost gone, I wonder what spurred Paul to get up and go back into Lystra. I think he got up not only to help those people be saved, but also Paul must have said to himself, what's my life worth if it's not worth something for Jesus? You see, Paul was willing to realize what God had done, and he was willing to do something more for God. Think about the future, folks. You know the old illustration of that ugly cocoon? You know, change, Greek word, metamorphosis. That old ugly cocoon nobody wants to take a picture of. Nobody wants a picture of an old ugly cocoon. But what happens? Metamorphosis takes place. Change takes place. What happens? A butterfly comes. You like pictures of butterflies? People love butterflies. Take pictures of them. But once there was an old ugly cocoon. But yet that change had taken place. You see, in our lives, this world's ugly. We look at the things around us. Boy, it's not pretty. <laughs> but praise God, metamorphosis is coming. Change is coming. In the twinkling of an eye, Jesus is going to take us up. Oh, that's the hope. That's what we have to look forward to. If you have no possessions, nothing, 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 you have Jesus, and you have the kingdom of God. We have the keys to the kingdom. I read of a story of a man, a businessman. Something happened, and he lost absolutely everything. He told his preacher, said, Preacher, I have absolutely nothing. I've lost it all. He says, What did you lose? You, you lost your reputation. Your, 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 your good name. No, no, no. I didn't, I didn't. People still respect me. I, I still have my reputation. Oh, okay, well, you lost, you lost your wife. Your wife says, well, if you don't have riches, I'll just leave you. Your wife left you. No, my wife's been more supportive than ever. Your kids, they turned their back on you. No, actually, I didn't even really spend much time with my kids, but they were there, right there. I noticed them a little more. Oh, wait, you lost God. You lost your faith. You turned your back on Jesus. I, no, I'm more committed to Christ than I've ever been. Well, what did you lose? What, what are you talking about? What you lost? Just lost a little bit of money. But I still got Jesus. Folks, tribulations come. There's no way around it. No way around it. For the saint, for the sinner, no way around it. But we have Jesus. We have hope. And we have things to praise God about tonight. John chapter 16, I close with two verses of scripture. These things have I spoken unto you, that in me ye might have peace. And in the world we shall have tribulation. But be of good cheer, for I, the Lord, have overcome the world. The Lord speaking in Luke chapter 12 says, Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. We have the keys to the kingdom tonight, folks. We have something to praise God about. Those who stand for Christ and his righteousness may be detained. May be detained as Paul was in Lystra. But you are never, never, never be defeated tonight. Never, never. I want to do something for you a little different tonight. And I hope I'm in order. Pastor Cartwright, tell me if I'm not. But as a musician, Dawn plays tonight. I want you just to get up from your seat, if you would. If you don't want to, fine. Just come and sit down here. Just come gather down, everyone. Sit down here. Come sit with your wife. Come on now, if you will. Come on down. And I want us just to sit in the quietness of the Spirit tonight. And just when in our heart, just thank God of all the blessings that we have. Will you come now for me? Come real quick. Come quickly. I wouldn't do this, but Pastor Arnett did it last week, so if he could do it, I can do it. 
just come sit right here. Nobody has to say anything. But if, if you want to stay in the back, that's fine. But just bow your heads. Maybe you and your wife can join hands together. Maybe y'all can pray together, thanking God for all the things that he has done. Come on closer, closer. Come on down. Just close your eyes. Put your arms around your children like Errol's doing. Thank God for your kids. They're living for Jesus tonight. Thank God for your home tonight. Thank God for your salvation tonight. Many don't have salvation tonight. Thank God for your church tonight. So many churches tonight have neglected Sunday night. But we're here tonight to worship God. Thank God for a youth pastor tonight that's leading your kids tonight. What all have we got to thank the Lord about tonight? Thank you, Lord, for saving my soul. For giving to me. Salvation. So rich and free. Doesn't cost us a dime tonight, folks. We haven't had to pay one penny to be here tonight. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Terrence, give me a microphone down here, please. You hold it. Turn it on. I'm going to let Pastor Arnett, if he would. If you're in a hurry, you're welcome to go. But folks, we usually don't get out at 8. We got 15 minutes, all right? Pastor Arnett, just offer a prayer of, just in your own way, whatever the Lord leads you, a prayer of thankfulness, blessing. How good God is, however the Lord leads you. And if after Pastor Arnett does it, if you want to come up and offer up a prayer, he'll be up here to hand you the microphone. If you want to in your own private, just do it right there. Is that all right tonight, Pastor? God be the glory. Go ahead. 